Thanks for listening to Cup of Health. This episode features discussions of mental health and substance abuse. Listener discretion is advised. Up, healthy Mavs. Welcome back to the Cup of Health podcast. I'm Noah Fuente. And I'm Hughes Cowart. And I am Ricky Hudson. Okay, guys. So how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing okay. You know, just hanging out, trying to get through the semester, trying to find a rhythm with everything. Still trying to get used to online classes and all that. Yeah, I feel that. I've been... Things things picked up very, very quickly, they feel like, over this last week or so. Things started out chill, and now it's like things are rolling, the ball's moving, and uh, very, very busy now. Yeah. I feel that. I've been acting very, t- like, starting out the semester, I've been so tired. I'm not behind on my classes, but definitely don't know what's going on in some of them. <laughs> so, there's that. Yeah. Oh. So I've just been drained and it's honestly kind of been like a thing lately. And I'm just like, I'm trying to deal with that. It's kind of a mess. But with that being said, let's, we can lead into talking about men's health as we are men here. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) As men, let us talk about our health. All right. So... Yeah, I guess on that note, you know, we can kind of use this as like a mental health check-in. You know, I know it seems like the semester is uh, a bit taxing for all of us so far. So, you know, a big issue with men and mental health is that it's not really talked about a whole lot. You know, men are kind of generally within the frame of toxic masculinity encouraged to keep these things to ourselves. So, uh Let's just, uh, let's talk about it. How have y'all been feeling lately in the scope of, you know, your brains and your mental health? I've personally been okay for the most part. Um, A little busy, obviously, uh, with school and everything going on. But regarding mental health, I've been been doing pretty okay. But I do agree there's a lot of uh, stigma around not talking about mental health uh, when it comes to being a male. It just seems like everybody thinks you need to have everything kind of under control. Uh, And so oftentimes men tend to think you shouldn't be talking about these things. Yeah, yeah. Noah, how about you? Um, I would say I'm like good and then like not good. So. I like took on less this semester, like less hours. I'm down to one job. So like I have in a way more availability. But with that being said, I'm also like like around family more now because like I can take care of more family now, which is kind of like a trade off. Um, But other than that, it's been okay. Um, You know, it just it goes back and forth because like school can be a little overwhelming and um just all the things happening at once but no I definitely agree like my dad for example is like society's definition of a man and like he has like no feelings no thoughts no he just like goes to work comes home 
and when you like dig into like getting deeper he just kind of like shuts off i'm just like wow interesting <laughs> yeah i feel that definitely uh some of like the the men in my family are kind of in a similar way like it's not like they're toxically masculine but they definitely don't really talk about these things and honestly i feel like that's kind of something that builds up like as you age almost like it's almost like this compounding of all these different events where you know emotion hasn't really gotten you far in your life and it kind of just shuts you off from it and i think that within like you know the social toxic masculine mindset uh, i think men are generally more susceptible to that just because there's less of that encouragement to talk about these things and sort of restore your capacity for emotion uh, as these things build up because i mean just over the past year for myself i've kind of felt like you know it, it's it's almost like if you if you think about the intensity of your emotions it's almost like the flame has been dimming a bit and there's just less of a desire to express these things it's it's kind of like you build these calluses on your brain almost you know yeah, I completely, uh, I completely agree with that. Um, something I always heard, like whenever my feelings were being portrayed a lot growing up, um, I would always hear like, grow up, you know, um, like that's not how you're supposed to be acting uh, whenever I am having some sort of like emotional moment. And I feel like just over time, a lot of uh, men hear this at a young age. And so like, they tend to grow up when it comes to emotions, and they tend to not talk about them as often um which is kind of sad and like backwards to think about because i think it's a good thing to talk about the way you're feeling oh yeah and and you know it's a, it's a very nasty cycle i mean that's you know so many traumas and and issues that we see perpetuated in society are really perpetuated along generational lines and i feel like uh that toxic masculinity and that that association of masculinity to not expressing your feelings uh, is definitely a generational thing. And it's, you know, it's like those emotionally numbed fathers could raise emotionally numbed sons. And then, you know, that gets us nowhere in terms of the uh, progress of like what it means to be a man in society and holding ourselves accountable as men and, you know, processing the way we are properly. No, yeah, for sure. I, well, when it came to emotions, I was confided to my mom, but like using my cousin as an example, he was raised in a household, like, it, but he came from a broken family, but he was raised in a household of was like, he had to be the man in the house, he had to grow up faster than what he needed to. And like, you know, he kind of raises kids to be that way, but it didn't work well because he has a little bit of rebellious kids. <laughs> but, you know, as you said, like it, keep, it keeps building and building as you get older. And even though you have to become numb to emotions, one trigger can like set you off. And so unfortunately, I think it was around three years ago, he committed suicide, like out of the blue, like he went to his backyard, hung himself and his wife found him um, hanging from a tree that like that night. And so it was just like a whole like out of blue thing because he never expressed what was going on. And so it was just like a whole shock type of thing. My goodness. Yeah, I'm crazy. Yeah, that is 
tragic right there. And I mean, that's the unfortunate end point of a life where you don't get to properly process who you are, I guess. That's that's very tragic. I I know you mentioned something about, uh, you know, lashing out and and the way you can kind of snap over time with these things. And that made me think a bit about uh, just the issue of depression in men as well, you know, sort of narrowing the scope of just like not even expressing emotions. But uh, when men also experience depression, sometimes those symptoms can manifest uh, in ways that are less, I would say, stereotypical of depression, you know, because with depression, we always associate just the general uh, melancholy and the sadness and the uh, inability to, you know, get up and get through the day. But um, and this was something that helped me sort of put it better into perspective in my own life as well is that in men with depression, it can manifest a lot of times as just a general sort of frustration in life that leads to anger and lashing out. And, you know, that's the the result of all these unresolved emotions and an inability to properly uh, come to terms with, you know, what's going on with yourself. So it's another unfortunate reality of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I also know that, like, for example, using data from the World Health Organization, 40% of countries have more than 15 suicide deaths per 100,000 men, which to me is kind of crazy. Yeah, for such a seemingly small number to think that out of, you know, so many men, you, you look at total number of deaths and then break that down into proportionality. It is very tragic to see across the board and specifically here with in the case of men just how prevalent it is with suicide especially when you start to think into account like that number a hundred thousand men whenever you compare that to like the total population of a country 15 is like it that's that is a very large number i feel like uh, which is really tragic to hear about oh yeah well and i mean comes down to a variety of factors you know and some of them are systemic issues that us as individuals we may not be able to tackle in any reasonable time frame without you know broader movements and and bigger trends in our society but we we look at the things that we can control in ourselves and how we can maybe work towards bringing that number down i think building a sense of community uh where you know people like us you know people who identify as men uh, can talk about these things and hopefully find solace and support, you know, in that uh, shared experience. Because I think, you know, my experience with depression and with just everything that comes with that, it's always the isolation, you know, that sort of uh, drives the knife further into your heart, essentially, uh, so to speak. When you're when you're separated from your social support systems, I think that's uh, really when you're at your mo- your most vulnerable. And so, you know, I, I definitely have felt my most vulnerable to these issues within the past year when isolation has been the uh, defining term pretty much. So I would just think our generation compared to older ones has done better in a sense of establishing relationships because I know like the men in my family, like some of them have like maybe two to three friends another doesn't have any at all it's just him and his wife so it's kind of just like I'm fortunate enough to like have 
kind of like a wide net of people I can go to for certain things, whether it be, you know, just to blow off steam, whether it be to communicate with about life or just overall just having as like a support system. Um, so I think that as a message to younger men listening, listening to this, it's okay to establish relationships and it's okay to be vulnerable because at the end of the day, it's not showing weakness. It's just life and life can suck sometimes. I agree. I think, I definitely think our generation, uh, like our age of people are getting much better at um, a lot of things, but especially like expressing emotion to others. For me in high school, I like I had friends and everything, but I couldn't ever open up to them about things just because of toxic masculinity and um, just the constant like pressure of like if I open up to my friends about something, they're going to think of me differently. Um, but like more recently over the past couple of years, that's gotten a lot better ever since I've like met people in college who actually care and I'm able to express my emotions with with people. Um, so I do think like our age is slowly getting better at it. And so hopefully it just trickles farther down and it spreads more to other people who need to talk with others. Absolutely. You know, like you were saying, the past few years, it's uh, changed a lot. You mentioned your transition from high school to college and just the difference that made for you. I mean, I know I've had like my struggles in college, you know, I'm in my fifth year now and first several years, you know, college comes with its own set of issues and if you haven't uh, had someone to relate to on that, it can feel like a very unique set of issues. And uh, I've noticed with some of my younger friends, you know, freshman, sophomore uh, that I work with and interact with on campus, you know, there, there is generally just that, I guess that sense of community is there. And it's been heartwarming to me to be able to be there and support them and also receive that support from them. And, and to know that, you know, as uh, younger people get older, seems like more and more that I that attitude is there and it feels like the sense of uh disconnection that I might have felt you know earlier in my college career gives hope that maybe it won't be such an issue for as many people you know now as they get into college not sure what effect uh the online nature of college right now is going to have on that it's very unfortunate I think that has severed a lot of people just getting into college from the social opportunities that a college usually provides. So I hope that, uh, you know, the progress we've gained there, either, you know, we can regain that ground if any's been lost or we can just pick up where we left off there and, and keep making that progress. Yeah, for sure. Piggybacking off of that, like the current state of like, let's just say mental health in general during this whole pandemic, or people like to reference it as to a panoramic. <laughs> um, you said something about... <laughs> the feeling of like control and like not you know letting emotions like get like men not having like emotions get the best of and things like that and i feel like that leads into a segue of talking about how men feel that substance abuse with marijuana and alcohol or tobacco makes them feel like they're in control but in a sense they're also losing control so i want to talk about that oh yeah that is a potent subject right there Think that gets to the some of the the stereotypical associations of like men versus women with men being more impulsive and rash and decision making and much more predisposed to risky behavior and i mean when you get down to statistics especially when you look at substance abuse yeah we are seeing 
men being more likely to, to engage in these particular risky behaviors like that. And it's unfortunate we see that happening, you know, it, there, there's no, there's no minimum age, uh, for these issues to begin with men, you know, that's why it really is important that, you know, all people, but if we're talking about men here to have that, uh, guidance from the young age, just to be able to better control impulsiveness and make these conscious decisions. You know, I definitely felt a sense of peer pressure and a sense of novelty to certain activities, you know, whenever I was coming of age, essentially, you know, with regards to things like marijuana, alcohol, tobacco, you know, you feel this, uh, I think the way it's portrayed in our culture, it almost feels like a rite of passage to engage in these substances. And I think that that's a very dangerous mindset to have about these things. And without better guidance to the contrary, I think that uh, that sets up a lot of young people to just fall into these things from the start. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I completely agree with all of that. I was lucky enough to kind of grow up with a friend group that... Um, like, while my friend group, I wasn't able to, you know, talk with them about emotions. Luckily, none of them were very peer pressuring uh, with different substances. Uh, and most of them themselves never even uh, did anything like that. Um, but I have seen, like, ever since a lot of my friend group has split off and gone our different ways, um, I have seen some of them, like, struggle in, in school and in college and have slowly started to, like, you know, start abusing tobacco or alcohol um, just because of the negative perceptions they have of what's going on around them. Uh, like classes might be difficult. And so sometimes they feel like uh, going out to a party and alcohol abuse is like an acceptable thing uh, whenever you're feeling like that. And so um, it sometimes is sad to me to see that some of my friends have gone down that path. Um, but I've been able to talk with a few of them just uh, about how school's going and eventually it leads to a discussion about like, you know, them posting on Snapchat, like them drinking all the time whenever it's a weekend at a party or whatever. And so I've been able to have some some good conversations with my friends about like potentially trying to get better uh, with substance abuse. Um, but it definitely is prevalent uh, in men when it comes to uh, college for sure no yeah like to even piggyback off of that um just kind of like my experience at, my experience with it growing up like I would see kind of like this trifecta of things if you call it when I say with my like grandparents I would always see my grandpa smoke cigarettes like there's no tomorrow um and he still does to this day and we tell him to stop he doesn't listen. Um, and also he's like a war veteran, but that's like another subject to open into on a different time. Um, and, you know, I have two uncles um, who became alcoholics after a family member died. And so I saw that side of like alcohol and like how it can affect people. And then my brother, for example, at a young age when we were growing up in this house, he won, like he got into you know, using marijuana, and at one point, try to grow it in our house, so he got kicked out from that, <laughs> um, but, like, wow. I've seen, <laughs> yeah, I know, I, but, like, I've seen all these things, and then, like, 
fast forwarding into now, and he got kicked out at 17. So then referencing to that, just thinking about it now, like, even though there are age limits to alcohol and tobacco, and like there is a restriction on marijuana, a lot of the times where there's a will, there's a way. And nowadays, I would say we are, as a young generation, we are very creative into getting our hands on it and using it no matter what. So it's kind of like one of those things, like how do you put a stop to it slowly but surely? Oh yeah. Well, and, and then, you know, if you want to lead into a discussion about solutions to that issue from there, I think, you know, you see the rates that like minors are using these, these substances. And like you said, you know, we're, young people are very creative and if they want to get their hands on something, they're going to get their hands on it. And I think, you know, in a broader sense as well, you look at rates of substance abuse across society, even with controlled substances. And I think it just shows, you know, our current prohibition model of, you know, criminalizing and trying to control these things is just not an effective solution. I mean, by that point, you're you're not doing anything preventative. You know, that's a, a last line defense, not a front line defense there. So and so I think that gets to a matter of support and, and dialogue and talking about these more effective ways of trying to help people not to do these things. And, you know, Ricky, you mentioned uh, having those conversations with your friends, I think. I guess that's kind of been a theme of the discussion tonight is about these uh, support systems and these networks and uh, destigmatizing these topics, you know, and being able to have these conversations, you know, hopefully create an environment where, you know, people don't feel targeted or or threatened or betrayed whenever, you know, these potential issues for them are brought up. Because, you know, I mean, that's a, an issue with intervention strategies is, you know, you make someone feel cornered and like they've got no other option, they'll they'll get oppositional to it. So you got to create a supportive environment where people feel like it's okay for them to, you know, acknowledge a personal failing or a need to get better. Because I mean, right now, going back to that, you know, analogy of cornering someone, I mean, our entire system, you know, the way we go about ourselves in society, our conceptions of justice and crime and law enforcement, it, it, it just corners people. And doesn't make them feel like it's uh, okay for them to acknowledge who they are and get better because they don't have that support. So hopefully, you know, as we have these conversations with ourselves and build these, uh, I guess, sort of like grassroots support systems as uh, people our age come to power, I think that gives me hope that maybe we can actually get some some good stuff done in the matter. And I mean, even now, you know, you see progress like uh, more and more places, you know, moving to decriminalize, you know, substances to really focus on that rehabilitation aspect, build these support systems in our society. No, yeah, for sure. Yep, it's just, it's one of those things that is just like, in a kind of like how you said, you just, in a, in a way, you just kind of have to give people a reality check that isn't so much to the extreme, but is out of like, like for example, with friends, like just out of pure love and they're like, hey, like, you know, stop, diet down. So no, yeah, I get that. Is there anything else we would like to add to this topic? I guess uh, it, it is a very, very unfortunate topic indeed. And I guess, you know, the, the root of it is you're talking about vices here with substances. And uh, that, that begs a whole discussion about how people cope with, with stresses in their life. You know, I, I feel like I'm talking in circles going back to support systems and support networks. But I mean, really, I think every issue we talk about, it's going to wind up stemming from a lack of uh, better alternatives in the mind's eye. 
Yeah, I, I can actually agree with I agree with that wholeheartedly. Oh yeah. Yeah, me I mean, too. Yeah, you're looking to fill a some hole in your life when you turn to these things. So. Because I would say a lot of uh, like substance abuse issues may even come from depression and mental health problems, and a lot of those kind of derive from like not being able to speak out about your emotions to anybody. So a lot of these things can go hand in hand, just circling back to like trying to create a support system, uh, trying to figure out um, ways to get better, to be able to speak out with people and all, all of that. Yeah, for sure. Well, with that being said, we're going to segue into the next topic or subtopic, if you will, which would be sexual hell. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Very important topic. Very important, but I feel like it is not talked about very much at all. Growing up, I don't know, it was always a taboo kind of subject to talk about sexual health, and my parents never, ever talked to me about it. All I ever got to learn was what the public education taught me, which was really just Texas law pushing abstinence in everybody's face is really all it was. There wasn't actual sexual health talk, which is crazy to me. No, I definitely agree with that because I'm the youngest of five and I most definitely did not have a sex talk conversation from my parents at all, which I think they assumed that either I got it from my siblings, they either trusted the education system or they're just like, he'll figure it out eventually. And I'm just like, great, thanks for that. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I'm the oldest, you know, my siblings, but I definitely didn't have a sex talk growing up and I know none of my brothers have I don't know, even though it wasn't something that, like, I could never talk about to my mom. And, you know, now it is a matter that's that comes up. But it's it's obviously something that's still danced around uh, just because, you know, I feel like parents always just feel awkward talking about these things with their kids. You know, that attitude is then projected onto the kids. and The kids find it weird to talk about it with their parents. And I mean, me personally, you know, I feel like my entire sexual education came from the Internet, which... You know, thankfully, if kids have access to the Internet, you know, amidst all the 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 horrible things that you can fall into or gain access from there, you can also access some wonderful educational resources. And so thankfully, you know, you can luck into a decent understanding of these things if you don't have that uh, that understanding handed to you by your education system. Yeah, I most definitely had to use the Internet I got to college because, like, not going to lie, like, when I got to college, I did explore my, like, you know, sexual experiences. And, you know, as being a part of the LGBTQ community or Q plus community, like, it's one of those things, like, this has never been talked about in my family. Like, I come from a Hispanic family. None of my siblings are gay, bi, lesbian, or whatever. And so I had to learn a lot on my own in terms of, like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Um, What are my risks? for getting an STD, what are STDs? And so I got like my first, obviously like STD screening in college. I had to just like find my sexual identity in college and which can be an enlightening experience, but it could also be a dangerous experience because, you know, hookup culture, especially within the gay community is very normalized, which it shouldn't be in a way, but that's a whole different topic. But it, you know, it just has its pros and cons and it's, it's crazy to think about how like society doesn't have open conversations about this and it is very detrimental to personal safety. So, yeah, I would say a lot of what I learned too about sexual health 
did come from the internet, like y'all were saying. And then also, I've just learned a lot from the health department on UTA. Um, they've had a lot of programs I've been to regarding sexual health, which has been great. So if anyone, if anybody ever sees a program going on about sexual health, make sure to attend that because you'll learn a lot. But I just, I always think back to like how I never learned much like most people did in like middle school and high school about sexual health. And sadly, like that's when a good portion of people begin their sexual experiences is at such a young age. And so I feel like the education system for public schools needs to somehow gear it in a way to just not push abstinence but also like safe sex to people because a lot of people don't ever learn exactly like what safe sex looks like when it comes to all the different ways that could happen oh yeah big time it it is terrible that we we just have to rely on you know the luck of whatever resources we happen to stumble upon for our education like this and yeah you mentioned uh you know our health programs on campus uh the ones that you know our office puts on hpsa health promotion substance abuse and then we also have thankfully our wonderful you know student advocacy groups on campus like the pride peers the rvsp peers i think uh you know, we, we, we mentioned earlier just about social support systems, especially in college and how that's growing. And there's this better presence of mind within, you know, people our age and people younger than us for these things. And I, I'm really happy to see that extend to sexual health as well. I mean, we've still got a long way to go, but we have these student advocates, you know, people our age who are here to help us educate us. You know, we ourselves as peer health educators, we've decided that's what we want to do. That's how we want to spend our time. And again, I'm hopeful that maybe, you know, since we recognize all the issues with how we were brought up with regards to our sexual educations, that hopefully we can get some real change accomplished moving forward. Because, I mean, I don't know. I mean, these discussions, they they really need to be so well-rounded in our education. I mean, because it's one thing to talk about, you know, the sexual anatomy, how things function, what they do, all that. And to also talk about, you know, STDs like that is absolutely crucial aspects. But then also like that's only scratching the surface because then you also have to have, you know, as a part of that curriculum, uh, these discussions about sexual identity. And I think that that is something we have seen far less of in our schools and in our education systems than, you know, just this, the, the reproductive health aspect to it. You know, topics of consent and, and self-exploration and how to discover yourself in a healthy way. I hope that we start to see more and more of that. I mean, because that's something that, you know, is just as important to, to men as it is to women, to, you know, people who identify as non-binary to anybody of any sexual or gender identity that's a uh, something we can hopefully see more of no yeah for sure and like picking back off like what you said about sexual identity and like having that like um that makes you just think about like a healthy relationship like not only with yourself as you like explore like your sexual preferences but also a healthy relationship with the person you're engaging in sexual practices with as well because like i know a lot of the times um like in like the gay community it can be very toxic from what i've seen not only from 
articles I've read or it's also from like friends perspective and like, you know, what I hear and see on social media. It's just like you need to be okay with yourself and make sure that you are ready and you are happy with yourself because if you're not, if you're just going to go have sex and of course with someone that is a stranger and they don't know you and they don't really care about your body and respect it, you're going to leave that experience feeling a sense of, I guess you could say like, just, I don't know. I feel like you just leave that experience, like not respecting yourself and like making yourself feel bad and like just guilt of just like, why did I do that? Like, what was the purpose of me doing that? Like, it was just like a fling thing. And it's just like, I see, you see a lot of that in the days, not only like the LGBTQ community and the gay community and things like that, but like you see that in, you know, males and females having sex and things like that. And so with that being said, message to everyone who listens to this, know your health status and get checked for STDs, use condoms and use other preparations when you're engaging in sex, please. So we all stay safe. (laughs) I'd also say it's very interesting to learn a lot about this stuff. I was like fascinated by all the different things. I didn't know there were female condoms i don't know that's just crazy to me i think some of this stuff is very fascinating to learn about so i really recommend anybody listening to to look some stuff up attend some programs different things like that and just learn as much as you can because i think it's fascinating and you know don't be afraid to reach out to us our office health promotion and substance abuse we do offer external and internal condoms we also have you know lubrication uh, packets and flavored condoms and sexual health demonstrations of how to properly use these materials. I mean, we are one of the many resources on this campus who can help out with that sort of thing. And, you know, the three of us right now, we're having these discussions about providing this education for people. And I'm, I'm just glad that, you know, myself to be part of an organization, a presence on campus that can help people our age, you know, have access to these things and get that education. Very happy about our condom closet as well, you know, which plugging that real quick, you know, as I mentioned, we have all these materials at no cost to students and we can be discreet and that sort of access goes a long way as well. I mean, because you have students who are able to get access to this who otherwise might not, you know, have that access or even if they have the access, they might not have the uh, access to the educational resources to, to put them to proper use to you know, to the benefit of their sexual health. For sure. And like to any LGBTQ plus peoples, my peeps, they's, he's, she's, our pride peers, I think, who are overseen by Jessica Sanchez. And I think she's under student advocacy, correct me if I'm wrong. If you need any support from them and like just need someone to talk to you about anything or like want resources specifically, then go to them. They're located on our campus. Just look them up on the UTA website and you'll get directed to them as well. Absolutely. Big shout out to the LGBTQA plus program on campus. And a big shout out to Jessica Sanchez for creating and supporting these spaces for student advocacy and the work that she's done with getting the administration of the university on board with that as well. Been phenomenal. And shout out to Dr. Tech Lim, interim president, for continuing to show his support for these uh, programs as well. You know, it's great to see. It, It feels like real progress when you can start to see these things moving at like various levels of, you know, a given system, whether that be a university or hopefully, you know, 
at a larger level, you know, nationwide. Yes, 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 yes. Well, as we are coming to a close to on our time here, let's just do a little recap of just overall men, shout out to y'all, but y'all need to learn how to take care of yourselves. So let's just do a whole little recap about how to do that going forward. So Hughes, Richard, let's take it away. Well, yeah, I mean, I can say from experience, you, you say us men need to learn how to take care of ourselves. I, my, I am definitely an example of that. I mean, just in the past, you know, time that I've been at college, I mean, I look at myself as a freshman, I look at myself now, and I take stock of all the ways that I've learned to take care of myself, nurture myself, look after my health in all aspects, you know, across all dimensions of wellness. And it really is a matter of being exposed to these conversations. And I think that's kind of an example of positive peer pressure. <laughs> you know, like negative peer pressure can expose you to a lot of harmful things, but I, I think that we represent a movement of positive peer pressure where we can encourage people, us, you know, in our same age group, same similar gender identities, similar, you know, across racial lines as well to just look after ourselves and also to build representation, you know, across these different aspects of human beings to look at those more specific health issues as well. Yeah. And I just say for, for my advice, just reach out to people. If you need someone to reach out to, there's a lot of resources on campus uh, that will talk with you about whatever you might be going through. Uh, CAPS is one of them. RVSP is another one. Um, There's a lot of different resources on campus uh, you can go talk to about depression, mental health, anything like that. Our office is a great resource uh, when it comes to sexual health. Uh, So you can reach out to us in our office and we'll definitely be able to help you all out. And then, um, I don't know, just another little motivational uh, piece. If you're anything like me, you've gotten some COVID weight uh, added on. So uh, get active. Uh, That's another really good thing, not even just for your physical health, but your mental health. Doing workouts has been able to help your brain and uh, help keep you uh, happier throughout the days. And so definitely get some exercise, do some workouts, find a buddy that also uh, wants to get active with you and then just uh, try to set up like a routine to uh, keep on top of your health. Um, And just above all, make sure you reach out and uh, talk with people about whatever you may be feeling. Yes, that right there, because you don't need to be a macho man to think you can handle everything. Let's stop that right there. If you need help, ask for it, sir. Thank you very much. Um, (laughs) And then also, Please, please, please. I implore. Of course, I can't control what you do because this is a podcast, but I implore that you do not engage in tobacco use because there are a lot of things health wise that it can harm. And if you plan on drinking, please do it in a healthy way, in a controlled way. Be of age of 21. I know some of y'all out there on campus a little underage. Don't think you're not. And please use safe sex practices like everyone else has said. And again, if you need to go to the doctor, if you're feeling off in any way physically, please go to the doctor. You know, it's not it's not going to hurt you to go to the doctor because I know I, I can be a stubborn mule when it comes to going to the doctor. And me being a male doesn't help that at all because we think that, like, there's not a lot wrong with this. If it's not, like, physically hurting or showing, like, it's whatever. No, go to the doctor. Get a wellness check every year. Get your blood work done just to make sure that you're okay. So please, just just take care of yourself. That's all I ask. 
Absolutely. And and Ricky was talking about, you know, the, the physical activity. Um, and that's a very crucial thing. And I will add on to that as well. Uh, me, myself, before the pandemic hit, you know, I was very engaged in uh, rock climbing as my physical activity of choice. And I've been devastated to not have access to it, you know, since last March. And my advice there is if the physical activities that, that work for you, you know, that you found were good for you and helped with your physical health and your mental health, that those aren't accessible to you. I encourage you to look for other healthy coping mechanisms in the meantime, you know, like me, myself, I've taken up, you know, a couple things like I've gotten back into drawing, you know, getting into digital art, I picked up an instrument, you know, started learning how to play guitar. And those are things that are helping me occupy myself outside of, you know, doom scrolling on Twitter or just endlessly consuming five different forms of media at once on screens of all varying sizes, you know, if, if that physical activity isn't as accessible as you'd like it to be, you know, pick up a hobby, you know, find other ways. Social media, you know, that can be, all, in some cases, almost as harmful as a substance, I feel like, you know, social media addiction is a real thing. And, you know, we've already spoken about the other issues of substances. So find your healthy coping mechanisms in summary. Yes, for sure. Well, Healthy Mavs, I think this is a close to this episode of Men's Health, which I believe is the first episode of this second season of our podcast. So check it out. Um, Again, we are located in the health center under health education, health promotion. So shout out to Latoya being our boss. And I would like to say farewell. All right. Thanks for listening, y'all. Stay healthy, Mavs.